It is good to be back with you. Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Back in March, I sent an email to Helen Rowland in preparation for today for our annual celebration of being a reconciling congregation. And if you remember, Helen introduced herself as the chair of our reconciling committee as she made some announcements a little bit ago. Davis United Methodist Church is a reconciling congregation because the United Methodist Church as a denomination continues to have some policies that discriminate and continues to use some language that excludes gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender people from the fullest embrace of the whole church. In the United Methodist Church, those congregations who have taken an explicit stand to be fully inclusive are called reconciling congregations. And our reconciling committee works to help this congregation put its spirit of inclusion into practice. So it's not just words on paper. And if Davis United Methodist Church's identity as a reconciling congregation is important to you, we would love to have you join that committee to help plan events and education that helps us live out that spirit. So you can let me know if you're interested in that. Our statement of being a reconciling congregation is broad, intending to express radical hospitality to all people. All. But we have focused quite a bit on the full inclusion of gay and lesbian people, partly because of the discrimination in the broader United Methodist Church. And last year, there was so much exciting progress toward legalizing same-sex marriage that that became the focus for our Reconciling Sunday worship last year. So in March, I emailed Helen and I said something like, what do you think of the idea of focusing on gender identity and diversity and the inclusion of transgender people for this year's Reconciling Sunday? Then this past Monday, Vanity Fair magazine and Caitlyn Jenner both revealed that the cover story of the July issue of Vanity Fair would feature a photo shoot of Caitlyn as she fully embraced and lived her new identity after a gender transition. In a Twitter post on Monday, Caitlyn wrote, I'm so happy after such a long struggle to be living my true self. Welcome to the world, Caitlyn. Can't wait for you to get to know her, slash me. Just in case there are some of you who could have missed the story, Caitlin was formerly Bruce Jenner, who was a famous Olympic athlete in the 1970s. Caitlin's public acknowledgement of her gender transition has been going on for some time now and included an interview with Diane Sawyer on 2020 in April. It turns out that our theme for this year's Reconciling Sunday is timely. I hope I am an advocate for justice including being an advocate for the full inclusion and acceptance of transgender people in church and society, and not only acceptance, but a wholehearted embrace. But I'm not especially astute politically, and I'm certainly not a sociologist or a psychologist, so the lens through which I look at questions of gender is a theological lens. 
It is the lens of faith. In recent years, and in a flurry this past week, people of faith have written some beautiful things about God's embrace of transgender people, about God's wide and abundant love for all. It is so important to keep saying this, because despite all of the positive affirmation we can find, there are plenty of voices calling themselves Christian who are saying blatantly hateful and condemning things to people who find that their experience of their gender doesn't match the gender assigned to them at birth. And too many transgender people experience doubt about God's love for them, as many gay and lesbian and bisexual folks still do. So we need to say loudly and clearly and repeatedly that God fully embraces every person at every place on the gender spectrum. And I think our religious tradition has even more than that to say, to inform how we look at gender. We personify God. When we talk about God, we give God human names and human characteristics all the time because God is beyond our understanding and beyond our language, so we just do the best we can. Doing the best we can means using the language that is familiar to us, and that includes using a lot of human characteristics and human labels for God. But we know that whenever we are doing this, we are speaking metaphorically. A couple of our hymns today, including the one we just sang, use a wide range of images and names for God that demonstrate this metaphorical use of human characteristics and names for God. And part of using human language is that we use names and characteristics that have a gender attached to them. For centuries, people used the pronouns he and him exclusively when referring to God, and one of the most commonly used names for God has been Father. Perhaps there are some people who believe God is male. Historically, I think there have been people who believed this as a result of a combination of the limits of our language and the sexism of our cultures. But I think most of us have long since decided that God is neither male nor female, or maybe is both, or maybe is all of the above, and much more besides. We've let go, many of us, of the old habit of assigning a gender to God. Most of us have realized long ago that God is beyond our understanding and beyond our language. And part of that is realizing that whenever we speak of God with one particular gender, with he or she, it doesn't quite work. There's a story that comes from the book we discussed this winter in the group we had for parents about raising our children with faith. Someone is retelling a story of a conversation between a mother and son. Christopher asked his mother if God made griffins. Did he? Did he? Did he? He asked. Everything is repeated at least three times these days. No, I don't think she did, his mother answered. Is God a girl? was the next question, as she knew it would be. 
I think God is everything girls are and everything boys are, his mother answered. And scripture tells us that we are made in the image of God. We are made in the image of one who transcends gender, who is no gender or who is all genders. We are made in the image of one who cannot be put into any tidy category or box. We are made in the image of the God who is beyond our understanding and our language. Our first scripture reading this morning is one of the creation stories from the book of Genesis, one version of how God creates humans. In this passage, God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. How many of you have taken disciple Bible study? Good, a good showing here. For those of you who don't know, it's an amazing, long, in-depth Bible study, and I don't know any better way to study the Bible thoroughly short of a seminary education. The first time I took disciple Bible study transformed forever how I have read this passage from the book of Genesis about the creation of humankind. When we discussed this in my disciple Bible study group in the reconciling congregation I was in at the time, and this was about 20 years ago, people brought up that some conservative Christians use that passage as part of their rationale for condemning homosexuality. That rationale makes the leap that if God created us male and female, then that was also the only way humans were intended to partner. And so in our discussion in this group, a woman spoke up and said, I don't trip on that. I think we all have male and female aspects of ourselves, and that is how God created us. I loved that new way of looking at this passage, that maleness and femaleness are parts of all people, all created in God's image. So maybe knowing that we are created in the image of this God can help us also see that human gender, too, is beyond our understanding and beyond our language. Many of us have stopped using gendered language for God. Many of us avoid using he or she or father or mother, or sometimes we use all those labels and pronouns in order to include multiple genders. Maybe our broad understanding of God can actually help broaden our understanding of humanity. What if we were to acknowledge and understand that people don't fit neatly into the limits of two genders any more than God does? Really, for me, this inclusive view of human nature and human community means simply letting people be who they are, as they understand themselves. It means honoring each person by taking their word for it when they tell us how they understand their gender, whether or not we understand it. I realize that many people for a long time have imagined that male is male and female is female and that is that. So I realize that to suggest that our gender 
might be as difficult to pin down as the gender of the God who has created us is pretty radical. And then it might be uncomfortable for some folks. And while I come at this theologically, the truth is that I have a fairly conventional and uncomplicated sense of my own gender, and I'm imagining that's true for probably most of you too. So I kind of don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) What I imagine in considering the implications of being made in the image of an all-gendered God is out beyond my own lived experience. And in particular, I can't represent the experience of transgender people. But I do know that for some people, the real-life complexity of gender and the pain of a too narrow system of two gender boxes is not only their lived experience, but is a matter of life and death, which makes it urgent that we develop a theology and a sense of humanity that makes space for people to be who they are as they understand themselves. I think I have come to this way of looking at things because I am at heart a theologian, a lover of the Bible, and a Christian. And theologically, I look at a God who never could be contained in any category or box or container. And biblically, I read that we are created in the image of God, and I imagine that God envisions us as too complex and too unique to fit neatly in boxes. And as a Christian, I read Paul's letter that says there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And as a Christian, I read the Gospels where over and over and over again, Jesus busted open social categories that limited and separated people. So I say that human beings reflect the image of the God who has created us, both male and female humans. I say that people who do not fit in any familiar gender box reflect the image of the God who has created us. I say that transgender men and transgender women reflect the image of the God who has created us. I say that genderqueer and gender nonconforming people are reflections of the image of the God who has created us. I say that transgender bodies and transgender lives reflect the very image of the God who has created us. So know yourselves as created by God. And knowing this, may you gratefully receive and abundantly share the love God has for all God's children. Amen.